welcome to episode 143 of the Daniel Yoris Podcast with today's guest, Katie Bramlett. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Katie Bramlett. Katie is one of the co-founders of We Shape, and it's a pleasure to have you here, Katie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat further and have this discussion. One of the things that, or I guess maybe the major thing that We Shape is focused on is starting to break up toxic weight loss culture. And I think that when I first heard that and read that, I was like, oh, that's very interesting because usually you hear toxic diet culture and toxic weight loss culture is a little bit more encompassing, but I want to kind of get a definition of that from you. And I think that's going to really frame the rest of this conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think I always like to start with a little context in history because I think it helps paint a, a better picture of what that what that phrase encompasses. So my co-founder and I used to have a body transformation company. We had that for a number of years. We did prescriptive diets and pres- prescriptive exercise plans. People's primary goal was body transformation and you know weight loss. We watched thousands of people go through that and everything was going well, right? We, Our company had made the Inc. 500 three times. I really felt like, oh, we're doing something that's helping people. But as time went on and people were losing the weight and transforming their body, something didn't quite feel right. And I began to notice a pattern amongst people who were joining our programs, losing weight and transforming their body. Um, and the pattern that I noticed is that people were never really satisfied. So Usually, if people had lost the weight, they either immediately went into, I need to lose more weight, or people lost the weight and then instantly gained it all back. And it was this this pattern of like, wow, I, I'm wondering if we're, if we're tackling the right thing here. And I realized and had discovered that what people were really seeking was a feeling on the inside. And they were trying to get that feeling on the inside by doing something to their body on the outside. And what was interesting is they weren't getting that feeling that they had hoped for. So when we talk about toxic weight loss culture, I think what we are talking about is this idea that if we lose weight, if we are a certain body type, if we appear to look a certain way, we will be valued, we will be accepted, and we will be loved. And in a lot of ways, our society does support that narrative, does support that story. But the truth of the matter is, is I've watched thousands of people, quote unquote, achieve that and still not feel that. So um, I call it toxic weight loss culture because I feel like people are chasing something that is not even real and that the real work is going on the inside and figuring out how to cultivate that self-worth and self-value without even focusing on weight loss. And I think that's what people are really after anyway. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how we got on that path. No, it it definitely does. And I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, there's a quote and I'm going to butcher the quote and I don't even remember who said it, but it was something like, if you don't fix the shit in your head and in your heart, it doesn't matter what you do to your body, like you're never going to be happy. And I think that that is true. Like maybe, you know, getting in shape and whatever is part of that, but it's not the whole thing, right? If you're a miserable person because of lots of things happening in your life, just losing weight is not going to be the, you know, the be all end all to, to solving all life's problems. It's maybe one piece of the puzzle, but it's not the, it's not the be all end all. And as we know, so many people will lose weight, but then you just, you get in this endless cycle of trying to lose more weight and trying to, you know, I want bigger arms or a bigger butt or, or, you know, tighter waist or whatever, whatever it is. And it's just this endless search for something that when you find it, you still just want the next thing and just never, ever ends. And I guess that's where the, the toxicity really comes in. 
Yeah. And I mean, the fitness industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. So people profit on dangling that carrot. My old company profited on dangling that carrot and it worked. Like I said, we had made the Inc. 500 three times. We knew how to sell fitness. But just discovering that weight loss and fitness and body transformation weren't really going to transform people in, in that meaningful of a way that I was hoping was enough for me to start kind of going, wait a minute, what path are we on? Is this actually helping people and where do we need to be going? So it's hard. We live in a culture that's inundated with messages that say, if you look this way, if you are this number on the scale, you will feel valuable. And what I'm trying to say is you can actually unsubscribe to that messaging and cultivate worth and value without a number on the scale. And I know that that concept is really foreign to people. In fact, I actually argue with people that if you can't find body acceptance and value and worth in the body that you have today, it won't come when the weight comes off. So if we shift our intention from weight loss and discover how we can have a deeper connection with ourself and, you know, get curious about how we create more self-value, I also believe that we we enter this path of sort of intrinsically wanting to do things like move our body. But it's coming from a place of self-love and self-worth and self-value and self-care, not from a place of, I will shame or judge or criticize my way into this path. It's it's completely different. And I often share a story of, you know, I've been in the fitness industry now for, I don't know, over 20 years. And it wasn't until about two or three years ago that I actually started enjoying movement. And I couldn't quite understand that. I'm like, oh, well, it's directly coinciding with when I shut the other company down and went on this own path, even personally. And it was because I used to exercise because I wanted to fit into a certain pair of pants. I wanted to, you know, burn calories. I wanted to have a certain number on the scale. And now when I move, it's because I pause and I check in with my body and I have deeper mind-body connection. And I feel like I want to work out or move my body or go on a hike. It's it's not coming from that place of guilt and shame yourself into motivating yourself to do this. It now comes from a place of, gosh, I, I feel like I haven't moved my body in a couple of days. What, what do I need? And checking in with myself. And those are very different places. But I'll tell you, this place I'm in today is filled with much more grace, kindness, and ease. It's not all of this energy that I'm trying to cultivate to convince myself to move my body. It's totally different transformation. And I don't know your entire you know, personal fitness history, but I would take a guess and I would wager a, a significant amount on this that you're probably even having better results tangibly than you were before. Is that accurate at all? I mean, I have to be honest with you. I, I, I haven't even thought to, to notice. <laughs> I, um, I haven't thought to notice. Uh, I, I really am just focusing on, you know, oh, my back's a little bit tight or my hamstrings feel a little sore or I just feel like I have all this energy in my body and I'm really anxious and then I'm like, oh, you haven't moved in three days. Like maybe you should go on a hike. Maybe you should do a shape workout. Maybe, you know, it's like I, I it's I, I haven't quite noticed, but I maybe I'll think about that a little bit more. Well, no, that's that's totally fair. And maybe not thinking about it is part of the yeah. <laughs> part of part of the point. But I, I guess what I'm what I'm what I'm getting at with that is that I've found personally and, and with, with clients and whatnot that shifting from a positive mindset, like, oh, it's not about losing weight. It's about gaining strength, right? We're going to the gym to work out, to gain strength or to build a, a skill or to, to build something that's positive rather than to 
burn calories or remove weight or, you know, whatever, something that's negative. And then what that's doing is getting someone to do the thing with more enjoyment, which actually gets them to be like more consistent, more committed, work harder, like do more of the right things anyways, because like we can't change biology, right? We still need to be in a calorie deficit if we want to lose weight, all the things, right? We still got to do the things, but if we can do it with more excitement and like more vigor, then we're probably going to get better results anyways. And whether you measure it or not is different, but we're getting better uh, actions to get towards the thing that we want to get to. Yeah. Again, I mean, I really do believe all of this starts with a pause and a willingness to be open and be curious about the way we've done it before and the way we're currently doing it now and asking ourselves, is this really a different way or is it just packaged differently? So I was vegan and then I was paleo and then I was keto and then I was this. And it's like, it might seem different, but it's really, that's all the same. So pausing and asking ourselves, are we really doing it a different way? What What is our desired outcome? And if your answer is weight loss, I ask people to ask that, okay, why the weight loss? And then get to that answer. And then, okay, well, why that? And usually what I find is when we get to the bottom of that question, it's just like, am I valuable? Am I worthy? Am I lovable? Uh, it's all of those questions at the very root of that. And so when we discover that, we can say, okay, I'm actually going to I'm going to take this open mind and curiosity and I'm going to shift my intention. And it's that shifting of intention. It's like you just asked me that question. I'm I'm actually really proud of myself because I used to obsess about what I ate and the scale and all this stuff. And I was I'm actually taking a moment to have gratitude and and be proud of myself because I hadn't really thought about that. Like, oh, am I getting better results from doing it this way? Because my my intention isn't there. My intention is how do I create more connection between my mind and my body and listen to what my body says. So a really good example of this is, you know, I used to say, oh, if you can't do your workout today, you're failing. And now I just go, what do you, what does your body need today? Oh, your body needs rest. You're fighting a cold. Oh, your body needs, has a lot of pent up energy and it's coming out as anxiety. You need a vigorous hike with a friend. Oh, your body needs functional movement. You need a V-shape workout, right? It's like I have a different connection. And so much of the messages that we hear in, in the exercise space are all around no pain, no gain, push through. If you're you're sort of given an, an award if you like almost puked during your workout. And, and we're saying at V-shape, maybe a different path would be more beneficial. So on the exercise side, we're actually – people come in and they go – okay, well, how many days a week should I exercise? And I'm like, okay, it's all right. We're all stuck in this, like, I'm going to take the prescription from somebody else. And that just immediately displays that mind-body disconnection, right? And then I say back to them, um, I, your body will have to tell you what you need. Sometimes I work out two days in a row or three days in a row, and then sometimes I don't work out for four days. Like, I don't know. It depends on the day. Sometimes I need a hike. Sometimes I need yoga. Sometimes I need a V-shaped workout. It, I, I can't have the prescriptive plan. <laughs> and so um, it's a completely different approach. And I understand that it takes time for people to unsubscribe to the prescriptive no pain, no gain, the more you do, the better you are mentality. It's it's a big shift. Absolutely. And I think it's it's the right shift, but definitely difficult, right? I mean, a nutrition example, and we don't need to go into the nutrition side of things with this, but just to paint it in people's heads, like people talk about intuitive eating. And while intuitive eating is phenomenal and, and like a great way to, to live, that's a built up skill, right? If I 
one who has never dieted or never thought about healthy eating or whatever, intuitive eating might be like, well, I feel like pizza six days a week. And so I'm going to eat pizza six days a week and then finish it off with a cookie and then a piece of chocolate cake. And that is also intuitive, although, you know, we would argue strongly against the health benefits of that. Right. And so thinking about exercise as being intuitive or what does your body need? That's also a built up skill. And we've been so used to like, well, just give me the program. How many sets and reps? What exercise? What do I do? How many how many steps a day do I need? How many exact, you know, how many milliliters of water do I need to drink? Like all this stuff. Getting from that to like, a, oh, well, listen to my what my body feels like doing is phenomenal, but also difficult. So how do you go about bridging that gap for people? Well, I think even on the eating side, I mean, first of all, I, I'm a big believer of, you know, intuitive eating and understanding what your body needs, but also giving yourself kindness and grace as you practice what that looks like. So I was on prescriptive eating plans for years. And then I moved into more intuitive eating, sort of like I'm not going to do any type of diet and I'm going to work on not judging myself and assigning morality to the food that I eat. And for months, I ate less vegetables and less quote unquote things that had more nutrient density and things like that. And then I came and found the middle. But through that time, I was luckily I was doing this work and I was connecting with a lot of intuitive eating experts and people who had really been on this path for many years. And they just said, be kind to yourself. Like it, to go from in exercise or diet, to go from a mentality of prescriptive exercise plans or prescriptive diet plans that are then rooted in you shaming and judging yourself to do it, to then move into, okay, I'm going to try to find mind-body connection and I'll judge and criticize my way through that too. It's like we're missing the whole point. So I think the point is if you're open and curious, the next step would be to say, I want to have an intention of connecting my mind and body more and listening more to my body and not listening so much to the outside world that's telling me exactly what you know I quote unquote should be doing all the time and setting that intention. And then when we say, oh, it's like learning, right? It's like when I first started my intuitive eating journey, I did eat the pizza every single day and I did have the cookies multiple times. I, I did. And um, I thought, you know, the biggest thing that came from that was not that I found the balance and came back to the middle, but was that I learned how to cultivate kindness and grace for myself in that space as I learned how to do that. Hmm. Because like I said, jumping from one form of criticism to another is not, we can't shame our way into loving ourselves. So I think the point is that just being open and then setting a really strong intention and then giving yourself kindness when you learn, God, I really actually truly didn't feel good when I didn't move for two weeks. Oh, gosh, I really truly didn't feel good when I ate six cupcakes that day. Okay, instead of going to cr criticism and shame, I'm going to move into like, what did I learn from that? And I wonder what my body was trying to tell me. Just more curiosity, more kindness, more grace. But we're not going to solve this quote unquote problem or challenge through more shame and more guilt and more criticism. So do you use or, or advise to use any sort of, again, it, it's it's going back into like the, the prescription, but trying to get away from it is like a, a template of questions or a questionnaire or a, or a, a set of meditation, whatever you want to call it to be like, hey, I, I ate this and then I felt this way or I ate this and then my, my gut felt this way, or my workout uh, was affected th this way. Is there any way to sort of, again, I'm just, I'm not sure how people bridge that gap because it's nice yeah. to say like, you know, stop and pause and think, but sometimes that's not in, in the 
effort to or in the pursuit of less structure, sometimes we almost need more structure to get to that point. Does that does that sort of make sense? Yeah, I, getting I at? hear you. Um, so essentially, we shape is focusing on two things. So one, we're focusing on getting people to have an intention of movement. Um, and we're really trying to reset the standard for what is quality fitness in the fitness industry. There really is no standard for that. Um, you could go to a personal trainer who had a weekend certification and I can go to a personal trainer who's has a PhD in exercise physiology and we could have vastly different experiences but both be seeing a personal trainer. There's no industry standard. So we are trying to reset that standard. We are trying to get people to focus on movement. So all of our workouts are rooted in um, functional, mindful movement patterns. Uh, it's kind of like I asked this question, what would your 85-year-old self want? They probably would want functional movement patterns rather than endless hours of cardio, right? I'm not saying cardio is bad. I think we need to focus on our cardiovascular health. But I think people want to learn how to push better, pull better, squat better, um, and brace better. Like these are the things that our body wants in the long in the long run. So that's how we're solving that on the movement side as we're focusing on quality movement. And we have a technology-driven product that people can scale their movements in real time to fit their needs. So everyone will do the same workout whatever day they log in and push play, but everyone will do a slightly different variation based on what their body needs. So we, when people come in and they're focusing on the movement stuff, we say push play, check in with your body, interact with the screen. And, and the fact that we're having people kind of pause and like say, did that movement feel okay for you? Scale up or scale down is a way of practicing that mind-body connection. So that's how we solve that on the movement side. On the mentality side, we offer uh, daily calls where people can log into the product and then connect on Zoom and share their experience. We sometimes have guest experts come in that will do, you know, what is toxic weight loss culture? How do we get out of the cycle of dieting? How do we cultivate more self and worth? And we do that through our community calls. But I also recognize that on the mentality side, this is a huge problem. And I am not as qualified as I would like to be to be able to solve this huge issue. So I'm actually in the process of putting together what we call our mentality board. I'm gathering clinical psychologists to come in and help guide our product into, okay, we, we, we understand that people need movement and quality movement. We got that. But how do we go deeper and create a better product experience for what people actually need emotionally. So I'm hoping that the future of WeShape here in the next six to 12 months will have an even more more depth to our product around this mentality side as I collect this this panel of psychologists together. So that's how we're that's how we're doing it on inside the product. And getting getting that done via any technology is like the mindset part is more individualized than or needs to be more individualized than the fitness side, right? The fitness side, you'll have a, your basic squat and then you'll have hundreds of variations, you know, scaled up or scaled down from that, right? But mindset is like, it doesn't fit as much into like these siloed, like there's not a squat of mindset, right? I mean, I yeah. mean you can put it very generally as like a level of consistency, but that means like millions of, di of different things, right? So trying to do that at any at any type of scale and make it applicable to each individual person is is very very difficult right and it requires individual attention to some degree because we all have different challenges and different things going on and different roadblocks and different things that we're good at and different things that we're not good at and you know everything else in between so that's that's quite a challenge but uh, you know it it definitely does need to be done well i mean we all need community we all need awareness and education and our our current 
structure in our product for the calls really do support that. So um, I've had like experts on toxic weight loss culture come in, do a presentation, then we get to, our community members get to actually ask those people questions. So I'm actually in the process of lining up all of our experts that will be hosting the calls for, for this coming January and February. And I do think that kind of sitting in education and awareness and then getting to connect with people and have discussions bring a lot of amazing insights. So I think we're on to something and have a good first step at at kind of bringing awareness and 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 offering support as we try to understand this mentality piece more but that is why I am developing the the mentality board is because I do feel like there's even more that we can do that can offer even more support so I'm excited to see what evolves from these panel of incredible experts that I have found actually are there any big buckets of challenges regarding mindset that you can kind of define or outline that some of the the WeShape clients deal with? It'll be very general, but are there big buckets of kind of these these challenges that maybe come up that we could we could discuss and break down here? Yeah. Well, I mean, essentially everything I'm talking about is not aligned with what we have been told we should be doing. So you get messages from social media, from movies, from TV, from friends, from family, from newspapers, from magazines, from radio, you name it. The things that we're exposed to are all uh, most of which are talking about weight loss and, um, you know, getting a certain number on the scale. So there's huge challenges there. And that's immediately why I developed the community calls, because I was like, you're going to feel really alone if if we're telling you, let's shift our intention and focus on, you know, self-care and self-love and self-worth and not even worry about the scale. But then everybody else out there is like, oh, what's your diet? <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's a huge hurdle that we work through. Um, but I remind people that w- nobody is forcing us to follow certain people on social media. No, we, we get to actually curate our own algorithm and our own content. And so just being mindful of like, is the person I'm following actually contributing to my well-being or are they bringing out my inner critic or my my judgmental side of self and maybe pause or unsubscribe or, you know, so that that is a big challenge, just that kind of uphill battle of the culture and the mentality that we all we all live in. I 1 million percent agree with that. And I'll even go as far as saying that, like, there are people who have followed me on social media and more than once have messaged me saying that they like disagreed with uh, a post of mine or not that they disagreed with what I said, just like the way that I said it kind of thing. And I said to them, I said, listen, maybe you should just not follow me because while I'm posting this on social media, like, and I might use the words you and, you know, we or whatever, like I'm not, this is not for everyone. My message is not for everyone. And and it's not that it's wrong. It's just, we all say things in different ways. And this is my personality. And maybe we don't mesh together. And like, if I'm causing you grief or to feel poorly, like, I'm sorry, but this is, this is how I am. I can't change my messaging. Like this social media is not between me and one, one person. It's yeah. between me and lots of people. And it's like, Hey, maybe I'm just not the person for you. And like, I'm, I'm very sorry for that, but I, I can't really change that. And so you've got to find other people who, you know, speak your language or say the things that, we all say just in the way that you want to say it. And, and that that's, you know, it sucks. It's, it's a bit of an, an ego hit to me for sure. But also it's like, this is what this person really needs. And so I think for everyone listening, you know, that's a huge message is just curate your social media feed. Like don't, don't let the algorithms control you. Like you better be in control of those things. Otherwise it's, it's not going to be good for the most part. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like I tell people all the time, it's okay if people aren't ready for the path that we shape her on. I actually have no judgment or criticism of that at all. It's we're here if, if you want to go down this path. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't want to try to convince anyone of our way. I don't, you know, I don't want to – this is about acknowledging some of the – the downsides of the system that we've all been a part of and attempting a new path that is rooted in more meaningful intentions. So it's okay if people don't want to go down that path. Like it's not my job to force people to 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 develop this mindset and there's no judgment if they're in a different spot. Yeah. I mean, for some people, a small percentage of people, they will do really well with like the super hard ass, like you have to eat perfect calories, perfect this, perfect. Like they're, you know, I think they're few and far between and there may be some problems with that, but there's like a small percentage of people who will benefit from that style of coaching and fitness and health and whatever you want to call it. But like for the most part, that's, you know, that's not the case. Um, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say you're bringing up something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is this idea that diet and exercise are that one plus one equals two. And and if you do that, then you will live forever or you will have an amazing life. And what we're discovering is that those are maybe like two of the 10 or 20 slices of the pie, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're not to be discredited. Um uh, especially in my opinion, movement. I think it, movement is a really powerful tool that can help us connect with our body in a really meaningful way. But there's also a lot of other things that contribute, right? Like who do you hang out with? What do you spend your time consuming, you know, in the media? Um, what's your spiritual health look like? What what does your sleep look like? What is your what what are your thoughts? Like what is your mindset, right? These to me are all what is your stress levels, right? These are all, what is your community? <laughs> These are all pieces that contribute to to that pot of a fulfilling, you know, more fulfilling life in my opinion. And so the fact that our culture focuses so much on just the diet and exercises is a little bit silly. Like I often joke with my partner, he, he, um, he, I, I was actually joking a little bit this morning because he has, he's not feeling well this morning, but um, he's like, oh, well, I've been sleeping and I've been um, doing this and I've been exercising, I've been doing this and I don't know why I got this cold. And I was like, you're insanely stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't hung out with a friend in like a month. Like, I'm like, it's not just, you can't, I just was joking with him. You can't biohack your way out of this. Like mm. your stress levels matter. Your community matters. Your spiritual health matters. Like there's so much more than just diet and exercise. I 100% agree. Why do you think that we as a society get so bogged down on that and just focus on like, oh, I can diet and exercise my way out of this? Uh, because there's a lot of money in that industry and people profit from that narrative. Um, because it's very tangible. It's very black and white thinking. Uh, for me to say what's your spiritual health look like is complex. It's an inner dialogue. It's an inner knowing. It's it's an, not as tangible. It's not as easy to sell or market, although people have done that in some ways. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's it's just it it really uh, affords that black and white mentality, that black and white thinking, and there's a lot of profit to be made. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, both from a profit motive, but also just from a 
it seems to make more sense to people rather than like a heal your spiritual health, like work on your breath work, like work on your sleep. It's like, oh yeah, that's so boring. Like I, I know, I know, I know, but what what should I eat? It's like, okay, well, that's also important. But there's a lot of lot of things going on here, right? And so trying to- like What if we even like, I was talking with someone about this the other day because I have two small children and I have a caretaker who help, you know, we, we I work full time. So I have someone who helps with my kids and she's basically a part of our family. And we were we have lots of in-depth discussions around like what with food and and wellness and nutrition and and I said, what if we just like because, you know, she was like, well, I want to make sure that the kids are eating healthy. And I'm like, well, what does that even mean? Right. And I said, what if we even just shifted, didn't experiment and just shifted the intention to I'm going to focus on gratitude for the food that I eat. I'm going to pause. I'm going to be more mindful. I'm going to think about where that food came from. I'm going to think about who worked really hard to even bring that food to the grocery store. And I'm going to focus on gratitude. Like what we just we have narrowed it down to such a, a simplistic view. And there's so many other ways that we could hold space in our mind for things like food and like just even for a month focusing on every time I want to, is this healthy or not healthy? I want to maybe just practice like, ooh, I want to think about where this food came from it come, came from, and the hard work that went behind it and the gratitude that I have for this. Like that in itself is like even a different option, right? It's, we, we've, we've made it so that we think that we're going to label it healthy or not healthy. We're going to eat it or not eat it. And then if we do, we're going to judge or criticize if it didn't fall into the right category. And I just think it's just an overly simplistic and mind-limiting um, way that we, we've gone about this for far too long. Yeah. The healthy or not healthy being black and white is, it's just, it's just incorrect because there's far more factors. Like you could have something that people would say is unhealthy, you know, some chocolate cake with whatever. Like I think across the board, people would label that. That would be one of the labels as unhealthy. But what if that is the thing that, brightens up your day. You've had a shit day at work. Your boss is, you know, yelling at you what something bad's happening. And that's like the little thing that brightens up your day. Is that healthy or non-healthy? Well, now the, the question, the answer to that question now changes, right? What if you're celebrating something and you have this memory that is unlocked by, you know, that piece of chocolate cake, because, you know, 15 years ago, you had that piece of chocolate cake at that restaurant with those people. And it, you know, now is the, is the chocolate cake healthy or unhealthy? Like the, the answer to this question changes depending on the context. And it's never just that black and white. Nobody likes that though, because we want, we want the answers, (laughs) right? It reminds me of this time, my best friend and I, uh, we went to Paris to celebrate her 40th birthday and we found this incredible bakery. And one of the things I love about going to these bakeries in Paris is that everyone is so proud of the work. And there's like so much thoughtfulness and and pride in in the the baked goods. And we found these cupcakes that were just absolutely incredible. And we each got one and we sat on the side of this alley in the middle of Paris and we were like audibly enjoying our our cupcakes. And these French women walked by and started laughing at us because it was like very obvious that we were enjoying it. And we talk (laughs) about that memory all the time, right? Just We were just so in love with just like not only the taste, but like how proud the baker was that they had made these, like the fact that we got to sit and enjoy this moment in the middle of Paris together. Like you're right. we Food is, is so much more than just about healthy or not healthy. There's so much more that we can cultivate and shift our intention and have a completely different relationship with it. Yeah. I, I also will put an asterisk on all of that of what I said is that like you can justify your way into anything if you think hard enough yeah. about it. If you try and like nuance it too much, that can also be 
detrimental. You can convince yourself that you should have chocolate cake three times a day because of, you know, whatever reasons. And like, that's probably also not a good thing, right? You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be eating chocolate cake as like your only food. That's not a good thing. Um, so, so there is like, you know, there are limits to everything, right? But by that same token, like you shouldn't be working out three times a day either. You shouldn't be only eating chicken breast and, and lettuce because that's also not good three times a day and the only thing. So this nuance thing is so hard. And I think that's why this is such a challenge for so many people because it's not just one thing. It's so many different things, but it's really difficult. And that's why we need different approaches to fitness like like what you guys are doing, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, when we can go down a path of learning how to, you know, I often use this analogy. I believe that we're all born with these two dials. The first dial like it is when we're born is like this internal dial that's like to a 10, right? Like babies do not care what you are doing. They will scream and shout and let you know they have a need that needs to be met. Um, but as we get older, that internal dial often turns way down and the external dial turns up. You should do this. You shouldn't do that. This is healthy. This isn't healthy. You should weigh this. You shouldn't do that. And um, that often overpowers that internal dial. So one of my main goals with WeShape is how do I get people to turn that external dial down a little and turn the inter- internal dial up a little as well? It's never going to be turned, the external's never going to be turned all the way down, like unless you're living in, you know, a, a dark room with no no input from the outside. But if we can continue to try to take a step towards that internal dial getting turned up, I think that's really life's journey. How do I connect with me more? How do I have an inner knowing? How do I turn that internal dial up? And I think that if we can do that, all of these nuanced things, all of these, you know, black and white thinking, like it gets a little easier, in my opinion. It doesn't go away. Um, it gets a little easier. But that I have to remind people that that internal dial, that voice is not critical, is not judgmental, is not shameful. That is like an all loving, all knowing, all connected voice. And it, it, I do believe that sort of life's journey is to connect with that voice more. And I don't believe that any of, I mean, think that part of being a human and part of being part of the human experience is, is connecting with that. But I just think that the, the idea of being open to connecting with that voice more kind of creates ease around all of these nuanced, you know, black and white thinking and, and that, it, that it is possible to be in a world where that exists, but then also have an inner knowing where you go, well, maybe someone says I should do that, but I've kind of tried that and it didn't feel good for me and I'm going to go down this other path and just have, have solace in that concept, that knowing. One of the challenges I think with that is that there's just so much noise in the world. Like we're never, we're never switched off. Like there's emails and texts and social media and TV and radio and ads and there's everything is always, there's always stuff coming at us. And if you think about, you know, a couple hundred years ago, like, yes, they had way more struggles than, than we do like in regular life. Like most people were starving. But aside from that, like they had a lot of time to just like sit and think and like not so much noise going on in their head. And they probably were much more connected with, themselves with each other with their community with the 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 place that they live with the earth with all these things because there was just not a lot of noise but we have this problem slash good thing of so much noise and so much stuff in our life that we have to really work to overcome it and this is why i think even just simple practices breath work and meditation call it prayer call it a spiritual practice call it whatever you want but these are the things that like 
it, it really allows you to just, it forces you to shut that noise off and then tap into to yourself. And then when you're, when you're tapped into that, and this is getting some woo woo for some people, but when you're tapped into yourself, you can really make educated choices about what you need to do and, and feel good doing those things. I absolutely agree. And I also think the opposite can be true. The access to information has actually taken us a long way as well. So for instance, um, a very common thing that I have noticed is that, you know, people who identify as female were often born into a role of I will get married, my worth will be defined by how I look, and I will have children. And we did, you know, in before the age of information, we did that without question. And now I think information has allowed us to connect and have bigger questions and and deeper conversations around, wait, is this what we want or has this just been what I've told that I've wanted to do? So it can go both ways, right? It's like I've never feel more empowered to have access to people around the world and other types of perspectives than I've ever had before. But it can be harmful as well. I hear exactly what you're saying. So it's like, how do I cultivate this gift of information and use it in a way that better serves connecting with myself in a more meaningful way? Yeah, I mean, fitness is the perfect example of this, and I think it's probably the 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 greatest of all of these, maybe next to to politics. But when you see you Google a question, you'll get tons of answers, and you'll get many answers that are completely opposite and or conflicting with each other. Where one person is saying that person is wrong, and the other person is saying this person is wrong, and they both have you know peer reviewed studies to support their claims, and it's like, well, if I'm not uh, you know, formally educated in this topic, how would you go about deciphering which of those things is the right one for you? It's not that either one of them is right or wrong universally. One of them is the right one for you and one of them is the right one for someone else. And this is where and I think we get- could be right in this season of your life and not right in the next decade. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And this is where I think we get so bogged down and why fitness and nutrition especially is so tribal- to an extent. And it's because kind of everything works. <laughs> like there's so many people out there that if you just take a, you know, 3% of the you know population of the U S I'm not good enough at math to figure that out, but 3% of that population is a lot of people. And so if something works for 3% of the people, you would say, oh, that's not that effective because that means it didn't work for 97% of the people. However, if 3% of people is a couple million people, well, you're going to be pretty like, oh my God, look, look at all these transformations, like how amazing this is. And, yeah. you know, and so you get confused and again, by no fault of one's own, because it, it does work for some people. It just doesn't work for everyone. And like you said, which I think is super important, it might work for you now, but it might not work for you later. The things that work for you in your twenties before you had a job, had kids, had a house, had a, whatever things you have might not work for you in your forties or fifties or beyond. I think it can be pretty dangerous to attach to one methodology for sure. Right. So keeping we always talk here about like cracking the door to curiosity and keeping an open mind because that is what allows you to deeper connect with yourself. If I am convinced that paleo is the only way to eat food and I eat something that my body doesn't like, my mind will tell my body to shut up. And it will say, no, this is the way, right? But if I say I'm unsubscribing for quote unquote diets and I'm going to eat foods that feel good and I'm going to pay attention to the messages that my body gives me, that's a completely different approach. I'm, I'm now open, right? Like, oh, it's so funny. Dairy's starting to bother me. It hasn't bothered me in 20 years. Interesting, right? It's like, but if I said that keto was the only way and I was having stomach aches every time I ate food because I was having so much dairy, I, I wouldn't be listening to that. I'd be allowing my mind to take over. And I personally think 
that we've tricked ourselves into thinking that the mind is is the only thing. And I think that the body actually has incredible infinite wisdom. And if even when I make decisions, I notice myself sometimes like making a decision and my body gets all tight and then I'll like say, yes, you know, I'll do that. Sure. No problem. And then later on, I'll be like, you knew you shouldn't have done that. You knew you should have said no to that. You, your body actually was the first thing. So now I've been practicing this thing when like an opportunity comes my way, I actually kind of ch- pause and like check in like what is the messages from your body? Because I often feel like my body gives me the answers before my mind even does. I just wasn't tapped into that for so many years because I was just doing what I quote unquote should do and not really checking in with like do you want to? Does that feel good for you? Like there's nothing harder than saying no to something that everyone else says yes to. And that can be applied in many different contexts, right? Like if I'm saying no to diets and everyone around me is obsessed with diets, that's hard to do that. But what I have discovered is that connection with self and moving in a direction to that inner knowing and turning up that inner dial has been the most fulfilling thing I've ever done for myself. It's been a gift. Yeah. Again, super hard to get there. But once you do, you you know exactly what Katie's talking about, right? And it's not even getting there. It's acknowledging that there are many times that I say yes to things or I'm like go back into like, oh, why are you eating that? Like, I, it's not like this just goes away. Yeah. I just like get a little bit better at going, okay, that's all right. You know, like – so what? Like you, you, you're. It's it's just a forever path that you're on, I believe. And I think that being willing to go, and it's a scary path sometimes, right? But being willing to go down there, I think, to me, has been one of the most rewarding things I've done so far. Yeah, having like some prompts or some reminders, I guess, if you will, to to remember to check in with yourself is is also helpful to that to to get that going until it becomes a little bit more natural and you get again quote unquote better at doing that thing and just listening to yourself and listening to your body and where I'm kind of going with this is back a little bit to the workout side of things with WeShape one of the things that I love about uh you know scrolling through the the website and, and listening to you talk about the program is the the scalability of the exercises I think we have a large problem in fitness but also in society of incorrect expectation setting and mm. so when one thinks about what a workout is with maybe you're familiar with the gym, maybe you're not familiar with the gym, you might think of people doing like Olympic lifts. And it's like, well, if I'm not doing that, then I'm not really working out. And it's like, well, if you go into the gym and you've never lifted before and you expect to squat 400 pounds, you're going to be pretty upset when you figure out that you can't squat 400 pounds. Now, does that mean that you're incapable, weak, didn't have a good workout, any of those things? Absolutely not. It just means that your expectations did not match reality. Maybe you need to do squat with a hundred pounds. Maybe you need to do a bodyweight squat. Maybe you need to do a box squat. Maybe you need to do what any number of other things. And so meeting people where they're at and giving them those options is so important to correctly set expectations. You set the goal slightly higher than where they're currently at. And then they achieve that and you like ladder your way up. And I think that that is just beautiful, especially in like a scaled technology driven fitness business where usually it's like, oh, here's the program, do it and, you know, good luck and write in the Facebook group to to let everyone know that you did it. Like that's cool, but, you know, probably not helpful for the vast majority of people. Yeah. And also being okay with things not being linear. Sometimes we're tired. Sometimes we're sick. Sometimes we have an injury. It's like, we don't really think about those things as setbacks. They're just adjustments. They're just, we're, we're, we're not, it's not a linear process. So us being able to meet people where they are in that day, in that moment is, is our biggest goal. And then also thinking about, you know, we, we really came together and said, okay, we know how to run a fitness business and make profit. We've done that for years. 
uh, what ha- what happens if we we consider we have to have some of the profit pieces there in the business? I can't I I have to pay people. I have to operate a company, right? Like, sure. I'm not going to just pretend like that doesn't exist. Um, I have the right people in the right place for that. But what happens if we make decisions about our product offering that are rooted from what is the human need? What is what is best for the human? And and then and then get the business stuff coming in second. And so that's what we've really done is what if if we got to design any exercise program for a human being, what would it look like? If we got to address this mentality issue and focus on the community and the psychological and emotional pieces of this journey, what would that look like? Right. And so we're really trying to take that stance of thinking about the human who's using the product and less about how can I extract the most money from them? I think it's very different approaches. Yeah. I've always thought also that like the purest way to do this is like to get people good results and results can mean a lot of things, right? There's measurable and immeasurable results and, you know, all that stuff. But getting people results is like they'll, they'll come back, right? If I go to a great restaurant and have a phenomenal meal, I'm more likely to go back to that restaurant versus a restaurant where I had a, a crappy meal. And that's, you know, independent of the cost of those meals, right? I'm more likely to go back to an expensive restaurant that had a good meal than I am to go back to like a cheap restaurant that had a poor meal because I got the good result, which was having a good meal. So if I get the good result of feeling better, whatever your fitness goal is, then like you're going to come back and that's going to drive profit and business sustainability anyways. Yeah. And what we have found is that, you know, we do offer people like a monthly survey inside the product. Like, how are you doing? How's your sleep? How's your pain? How's your aches? How's your recovery? How's your energy levels? Tell us about your self-confidence. And we do keep track of that. Like last month, I had really poor self-confidence and I joined more of the WeConnect calls and this month I'm having better self-confidence, right? But we're not focusing on how many workouts did you do? Did you, we actually, like I have no scales in my home. Like I, we, we we are moving down a different path. So we have shifted the intention and we are checking in with people about those things so that they can, you know, again, be mindful of that quote unquote progress. Um, I think that's a loaded word, but I I, I I think that we can have mindfulness around that. Like, wow, I, I do feel better. I do feel more connected. My shoulder is not bothering me as much. I have a little bit more energy. I'm prioritizing sleep. My self-confidence has gone up. So those are the things that we're kind of shifting the focus to and having people pay attention to as they join the community. Right. And and these are the things that you guys call the feel good score. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's our monthly feel good score. And so is that what that's, is it like a set questionnaire? That's what it's made up of those, those things? You yeah. Just it's us. It's pain, aches and pains, sleep and recovery, energy and self-confidence. Those are the categories we're focusing on right now. Right. Which are all subjective things, which is great because it's, it's, it's getting guess, you to check back in with yourself. Right. Exactly. It's like how it's like it's 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 prompting people to take that moment and yes. do and and have power and validity in that internal voice. Yeah. So, yeah, because you can't look at you can't step on a scale to get that. You can't reading. I'm, I'm trying to use different words and like score result number, but you can't you can't get you can't step on a you can't use a device to to determine the answer to that question. You really just have to check in. So even if it's like, oh, how? How did I sleep this month? How how that that shoulder thing is kind of going away? Like, oh, we're, we're feeling good, and like that is still that like that's progress. And again, progress super loaded word can mean a million things, but like if you're feeling better, that's a good thing. And I it's think amazing. we can all agree on that. Yeah, and people really do find you know a lot of people um, say that I came to We Shape for a workout and I left with or I stayed rather. Um, some people leave uh, for a mentality shift. Mm-hmm. 
And I had one woman in particular that I always think about. We ran a feel-good challenge. We do feel-good challenges a couple times a year where we we get people in and we all get together in a group for 30 days and we do focus on those pillars of, you know, you know, aches and pains, sleep, recovery, energy, self-confidence. We have special, you know, feel-good challenge calls, stuff like that. And I had a woman come in and she was in her 70s and she said one of the biggest gifts I had, you know, outside of feeling better and moving my body and checking in with my movements and stuff like that was that when I looked in the mirror now, um, there's a different voice there. And I realized that the voice that used to be there that said, you're fat, you're ugly, lose weight, why are you, you know, exercise, go on a diet, that that wasn't my voice. That was the voice of my mom and my sister and my aunt that was not the voice of me. And so I was like, yes, that's what we're trying to do is turn that internal dial up and that internal dial is never critical or shameful or judgmental. And she's like, yes, I have these incredible workouts, but what I really am clinging to is this mentality shift where I now can tap into that different voice that is just – you could just see the relief from her. And we we also have a podcast and we're, we're actually – for the next season, we're renaming – it's a We Shape podcast, but we're calling it the Feeling Lighter podcast. It's like a play on – People want weight loss, but we're actually really trying to get people to feel better mm-hmm. <laughs> about themselves, about their body. And that woman was such a perfect example of she might have come in here with a, a slight expectation of, you know, changing her body, but she left with the mentality shift. And I, I, I'm watching this in real time. I used to watch people lose weight and they'd be like, oh, it's great. And I'm watching people lose no weight and have huge epiphanies and mentality shifts and I'm like yes I think this is this is the path we need to be on. Yeah, it it definitely is. It's it's by far the coolest part of like coaching people and training people is like yeah people lose people come in like I want to get a six pack I want this you know whatever. It's like okay, yeah we'll get that. Like that's that's fine. That's that's like the the least cool thing that is going to happen here, <laughs> right? But yeah. it's like oh I I feel amazing. I'm I got I was able to ask for a I was confident enough to ask for a promotion at work or a raise at work or I feel better with the kids or I'm able to like do this thing in the yard or go on vacation and feel not self conscious like all of these other things like. Oh, those are the cool things, but some people almost don't even recognize it. They say it as like these, like throwaway comments in a in a check and call or in just a regular conversation. And it's like, well, hold on a second, like say that again. Like, what did you just yeah. say? Like, <laughs> like that's, that's the cute. thing. Like, that is the thing we've been trying to. Like, I, I, it's cool. I'm I'm happy that you lost weight. That, that that's awesome. But <laughs> you feel so much better in your life. Like, that is way cooler than anything else. Absolutely, I love that. <laughs> it's the it's the most addicting thing of about being a coach or being a trainer, being in fitness, I think. But like you said, like we, we have fitness is not unique to this. Every industry I think is, but we have major problems with people who are not good practitioners, let's say, mm. uh, because, because, and I think it's actually because that similar to like the diet thing we talked about before is that everything kind of works for some amount of people. Mm-hmm. And so especially if you take someone from doing absolutely nothing to doing something and by whatever means, right or wrong, you get them involved in that, you're going to get a result for at least a short amount of time. Now, a lot of these people won't have like, you know, have before and after pictures, but what about the after, after picture? Like that's the thing that's, that's more important. Like, okay, you got them to, you know, a good weight loss result in six months, but what about six years later? What, what's going on in their life? Did they just revert back and are they worse than when they worked with Mm -hmm. you? Like that's a different thing. Um, but anyways, now I'm just ranting on the fitness industry, but yeah, you know, the good people here, they're like, there's a lot cooler stuff than just weight loss and, and gaining muscles. And it's cool, but it's not the coolest thing. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I've been able to see that with WeShape and I it's really confirmed that I feel a lot of gratitude that I took that risk to shut down the other company and move in this direction because I see a much deeper impact. I see a completely different transformation than people used to have. And it's a transformation on the inside. And I think that that's where we really need to be going. We'll finish on this, but did you have any sort of personal internal transformation from shifting the company? Because I can only imagine it's very difficult to shut down or transition a company that's doing exceptionally well, making lots of money to saying like, Hey, this is not really aligning with our message. Let's shut this down, rebuild it. Like that must've been very difficult, but also extremely transformational in that it, you know, it worked out and you're doing something more aligned with what you think is right for for fitness and for the world. Yeah, it's weird. You know, I think that people think that if I just do ABC, everything will be easy. Um, So I will say this experience has greatly turned up my internal dial, but I have not been immune to challenge. Um, We've personally invested um, a lot, what some would argue a very risky amount of financial resources into this. I sold a family home that I promised my family I would buy from them and never sell to keep doing this. Um, you know, I've taken a lot of risk that I had never taken before. I'm very risk adverse. So um, it's been, a, it's very anxiety ridden for me. But that inner knowing knows that I need to do it. And so again, I'm not immune to, um, this idea of challenge, but I do feel a deeper sense of peace and serenity and grounding in knowing, even though the hard things are still existing. So we're not out of the weeds. We are still a startup company. I still need many more men- members in order for this to break even. I'm still in great financial risk, but I have a certain level of peace and grounding that I did not have in a company that used to generate millions of dollars. And it can't be explained other than my personal transformation on the inside of a deeper knowing of an internal dial being turned up and knowing that in, inner voice is is the biggest the biggest piece of it. It's a perfect match or reflection of the fitness piece of it, right? We, we chase jobs and money and stuff and sometimes it's worth it, but sometimes, you know, comes at more detriment than it comes with gain, right? And so it, it's, I'm sure it's very nice to know for, for your customers and clients and for the future clients that, you know, you're also, you're not shouting from the mountaintops and like, look at me, look how good I am and just do what I say. It's like, no, you're, you're going through it too in, in your own ways. And we've all got our own struggles and they're all unique, but they're all also quite similar. Yeah, I um even though there's a ton of stress that comes with where we are currently, I I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't go back at all, not even for a second. Amazing. As you should, as you yeah. or shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, where can people um find more about you and find more about the company? Where where should they go? Where should we point them to? Yeah, I have a special link for your listeners if they want to give WeShape a try for free for two weeks. They can go to WeShape.com forward slash Daniel Yoris for a free two-week trial. We're on all social platforms. We have two social handles. One is at WeShape that's focused on all movement-related content. And then WeShape podcast is all of the mentality content. So we hope to see some of your listeners in our community. 
Awesome. I hope that some of you will join the community as well. I'll put the links in the in the show notes as well. Um, so you guys can check out, follow, get a free 14 days um, to the WeShape platform and, and uh, you know, start this new journey or continue the journey. Well, whatever words you want to say to use it. But <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Katie, is there any last message that you want to leave the people with here in closing? I think I would just like uh, to give people permission to to try something else if the path they've been on isn't really fulfilling, if the path they've been on is not centered in a deeper connection with self. There are other, there are so many people out there who are on a different path that are not in the mainstream weight loss world that are ready to embrace you with open arms that is not full of criticism, judgment, shame. And there there are people out there who are on this path also, and we can we can do it together. Beautiful message, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing with us. Um, everybody, please check out We Shape. I will put everything in the show notes so you can easily access it. Um, give everyone a follow, myself as well. Share the podcast, like, share, subscribe, five star rating, all that good stuff. And that's that. Go outside, be a good person. We'll see you next time.